Welcome to A Regenerative Future with Matt Powers. I'm your host, Matt Powers, and this is a very special podcast and YouTube show where we talk to people who are actively working on regenerating our world and our culture. So not just our backyards, not just our food, but our lifestyles and the way we experience all different tropic levels of our culture are actually fed regeneratively. So it's a future that is bright, it's a future that is abundant, it is a future that you know, reverses climate change. It's a future that reverses inflammation. It reverses inflation. It reverses the debt. It reverses, you know, the, the, the meaningless, the purposeless culture with one that is rich with meaning, one with a rich with service and purpose and health and joy. And, and also nutrient-dense food, you know, that tastes amazing. So this is what we're talking about today with Paul Greaves of Pasture Bird and Primal Pastures. We're talking about regenerative ranching, regenerative agriculture applied to chickens, to pork, to beef, to the whole concept of ranching. So let's, without any further ado, let's dive in with Paul. <laughs> What's up, man? So I was just, I was literally, I was like, you know, I got to do something with the time. So I just did the intro and I said, without any further ado, here we go. And then it rang. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, and I'll leave all this on the tape so that everyone sees it, because that was crazy. Your timing is impeccable. That's, that's pretty legit, dude. So let's get into this, because I am. it is such an honor to be speaking to you, and I know your time is precious and short and that you have a lot of responsibility. It's, a, it's an honor to be on. I'm a big fan of what you do, too, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. We have a lot of overlap with our missions. I mean, a lot of it's health-centered, a lot of it's family-centered, and then, um, and then it, it, it seems like both of our paths kind of pulled us into this, this greater path. Like, you just were trying to start getting, getting better food, and then the, the community sure. was like, no, 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 we want you to be this, greater and greater and greater. <laughs> <laughs> kind of true i never really thought of it like that but it was kind of like community pushed us to get where we are now like the neighborhood you know like the little southern california pocket of people that wanted better food just kind of kept pushing it probably like you man they want more content they want to learn more they want to see what's going on let's start off with some of that because i think that one of the primary things that you all do so well is break through the bs in our food yeah, well, it's only because we've learned so much about it. Like uh, the last six or seven years actually been super rad, super fun, amazing, like, you know, 99% good. The 1% that's been really bad is learning about kind of like how sinister uh, the food industry is at large and how willing they are to throw labels on things that are misleading and kind of intentionally deceptive and like, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I basically say you can't trust any label that's out there. And I do this thing. It's like you name the label and I'll name the loophole. You know, it's like pretty sad to that point. But I honestly feel like that's where it is right now. It's always like a bummer message when I have to say, look, everything that you see on a label is probably fake. You know, I can almost guarantee you it's fake, actually. Um, and then it's that's like this big bummer depressing message but then the cool message behind that is well you got to go you got to actually go know your farmer like you have to actually go out and visit the farm and talk to them and learn about it and that really demands transparency and like integrity and all these cool things that you know 
there's still good things in the world, man. There's still good, honest people that are raising food the right way and people that are willing to pay for that food. I mean, there's, there's a cool subset of the population doing all that right now. And that's what I kind of want to talk to, to you today about, which is so very powerful, is that it's not just a label, it's a lifestyle, it's a system. And, and when sure. and you, you, your story is so empowering, and I'd love to get into that. You, you seem to always have a growth mindset. You were serving our country, you were serving your family, you were going big. Every, every, all your stories, maybe you can share with us some of the, some of that, but it seemed like you had that growth mindset in you, but you didn't have all the components of the growth lifestyle, but you do now. Yeah, that's a really good call, man. That's a really good call. I've always been somebody that's drawn to challenges and like enjoyed going after things that seemed impossible or whatever, whether that's in like athletics or uh, in the military or doing, yeah, I did accounting and then now the farming stuff. Um, the challenge is always like the journey part, not really the end result, but the journey has always been super fun to me to try to overcome obstacles and things that seem like they'd be too hard. Um, but I, you're right, man. I didn't have all the pieces lined up and I had never really, I felt like I struck gold with this thing because it's truly like, it's my passion, dude. And I feel like it's honoring to creation. And like, there's so many rad things that line up with regenerative agriculture i mean i feel like it's my life calling you know being able to heal soil and provide a killer habitat for animals and wildlife and like produce nutrient-dense food and be able to provide for my family in that way like be able to build rural jobs you know like there's so many cool things about what we do now it's just uh it's really really fun to be a part of it man it, it's almost as if your, your business has, beca because it's regenerative, has become a community like regenerator. Well, I can give you a really good example of that. So one of our ranches, we have two ranches that we run. Uh, the one in San Diego County is in a town of 97 people, you know, Oak Grove, a tiny, tiny little town, but a really beautiful town. It was uh, old school ranching country. And out of those 97 people, I mean, there's definitely no jobs there. There's no businesses or anything to do. So it's largely either you commute or you don't work and you're on welfare, you know? So when we came to town and we started putting up the flyers and saying, hey, we'll hire, you know, anybody that's willing to work hard and we'll train you. And it's not like minimum wage stuff that we do, you know, it's really good year round, non-seasonal work. And so we've hired like 10 people from that community. So we're... I mean, it's pretty cool, man, being like the largest employer in this little tiny town and uh, providing these really killer high skill jobs to people that weren't in agriculture before. Now we're like bringing them into the fold and you see these dudes and, and gals, I mean, super diverse workforce out there just because we'll take what we can get. But you see their eyes light up when they see year after year, like the grass is coming alive, the wildlife coming out, like it's really rad to be part of that too. It's absolutely incredible and it's defying all the trends. So let's start at the beginning. So this started off with a, a health crisis um, for you, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had really bad arthritis. It was really just chronic inflammation, but I didn't know that. So coming up, I was an athlete, college athlete, always in the ice bath, you know, like always really sore after workouts and just had kind of de declining energy. 
And then when I went into the Marine Corps after college, uh, that only got worse. So those problems just kept getting crazier. And we had this, we call it vitamin M, which is Motrin in the Marine Corps. So we were just taking these like, you know, cover up the pain pretty much. So you didn't feel it. And that wasn't a very smart thing to do either. Um, but we didn't really know any better. So just trying to mask the pain and uh, really bad inflammation. And I had some buddies in the Marine Corps at this time, this is kind of the 2007, 2008 range. And uh, paleo was starting to get popular, especially in the, in the military. And I had somebody say, Oh, why don't you try this like paleo thing? It's anti-inflammatory and it may help with some of your joint pain and stuff like that. And I was just like, dude, no way. Like it's going to be a surgery requires, it's going to be a drug thing. There's just no way that just changing my diet is going to do anything. But lo and behold, you know, you already know the end of the story. Felt like a kid again. I could breathe through my nose, like so much more energy, slept better, like moved better, just enjoyed life to a way higher degree. Um, and that was kind of the start of everything. Wow. Yeah. And then and I love the story about how you started with just 50 chickens and then it just just took off from there. It was really a joke. So it was uh, four of us sitting around in Easter of 2012. And we're all kind of on this health journey now. And my in-laws had about a quarter acre of uh, backyard area out in the Temecula Valley. And we were joking about how wouldn't it be funny to like get some chickens and have them running around the backyard and like forget that we could just go outside of the grocery store. Ha ha, big joke. And uh, my brother-in-law, Rob, he was with us and he sort of like disappeared from the room and came back about 10 minutes later. And he was like, oh, hey, uh, hope you guys were serious because I just ordered 50 chicks are going to be here in two weeks. And uh, we were also, we just looked at him like he was crazy. You know, we'd never raised an animal, never really thought about farming or food too deeply or anything else. And that was really the birth. I love how it was, it was really the challenge that started it because it seems like every step of the way where someone kind of presents a new challenge, they're like, oh, could you guys do this? Or could, could you do that? You've, you've risen to it. I love the TED Talk where you talk about how you're, you're just starting out on, on doing home deliveries. And uh, to see how far you have come in that time period is absolutely incredibly inspiring. Biggest thing for right. me is like, it's, it's always been way more than a, uh, money you know there's a lot easier ways to make a lot more money than this so given that premise then it has to just be about impact you know and yeah i'm the first one to say like uh profit is regenerative it's super important to be economically regenerative as well as ecologically regenerative yes all that's true but um to me it's always been about like what's the impact how do we take this from being 0.01% of all food sold to 1% to 10% like and we're just a tiny part of that, man. We're uh, Primal Pastures, Pasture Bird. They're great brands. They're cool companies. But there's a thousand people across the country doing pastured poultry. There's a thousand people doing amazing stuff with regenerative crops and vegetables and beef and other meats. And like, we're just one of many uh, in this grassroots movement, you know? That's absolutely true. I think it's very interesting, though, that you have been able to really scale you've been able to grow. And I know you say you, you've made tons of mistakes and I really believe that mistakes are how we learn. So maybe you could share yeah, with some of that growth. Cause it's been seven years, right? Yeah, it has. 
So what's going to make this go from 1% to 10% or really 0.01% up to 10%. I think um, the onus is on the consumer, but not only on the consumer to spend more for their food and, you know, to drive halfway across town. So one of the mistakes, I don't know if you call it a mistake, is just a learning curve. Um, we were a little bit uh, self-righteous in the fact that we expected people to drive all the way to the farm to come pick up their meats in the beginning. Um, that's fine for somebody that lives out here by the farm and doesn't have much going on on the Saturday. Uh, but for the busy mom of three, you know, that's trying to do life, that's just not even realistic. So then we morphed the business into doing these pickup sites, which we thought, well, let's try to make it more convenient, you know? And so we started offering like five pickup sites throughout Southern California and you'd pre-order, wait 10, 20, 30 days. And then you come to the pickup site and you grab your meats. And then, that iterated yet again to being a home delivery system where we would load up all seven of my family members would get in their cars. We would load up like 30 orders into each car. And then we would drive those all over Southern California um, to people's doorsteps. And then we realized, okay, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> let's leverage the technology that's already out there. And we started doing FedEx um, to Southern California. And then we realized, well, we can FedEx the exact same system we can use to scale and, and to ship these meats out, you know, to all of California. We can do Arizona, we can do Nevada, we can do all these food desert areas uh, that give people access and try to make it more and more convenient constantly. It's been about convenience, quality first, but then convenience second, you know, um, and trying to make it more accessible to people in that way. Because the reality is our meats aren't the cheapest. Um, so you kind of have three levers. You have like quality, convenience, and then price. And so we're trying to be super competitive on the first two, quality and convenience. And on the third one, we always try to do the best that we can, but it's really not like our forte doing the cheapest food out there or anything. And you're not a CSA, right? No, we have gone into subscription packages though. So you can, you can sign up and do like a, you know, click four clicks on the website and you have a monthly meat box coming your way, but it's not technically a CSA is buying like shares of animals that are going to be delivered over time or committing to a crop yield or something like that. That's not really our model. Absolutely. This, this seems like the model that comes after. So I think so. I came at it more like from a consumer. So I grew up in downtown Seattle. I've always been an urban person, a city kid. So I felt like I understood the consumer and uh, trying to look at it from their point of view first, as opposed to what works best for me. Now you got to squeeze into my formula. Um, if I'm a consumer, I want to just be able to go on like it's the grocery store and order mm -hmm. two chickens and a pound of ground beef and, you know, some bacon. And like, I just want to be able to get what I want. Uh, so we try to make it convenient in that way, too. It's powerful. I mean, our box is coming today. Going to the grocery store, you know, when, when you, we started eating organically, got way more exciting. But this meat is the heartbeat of the month for us because in our family, yeah. um, we've gone through lots of transitions with food. We've tried vegetarian. We've tried vegan. I couldn't digest meat because I wasn't eating good meat. Um, and I was so inflamed right. that, that I, I, I tried everything and I thought because my body was in um, protection mode, self-defense mode, I, I yep. made certain conclusions yep. while it was in that mode. And then when I moved out of that mode, I had all these other options, um, but I didn't realize totally. they were there. 
So for many years, about a decade, I didn't gain any weight. I weighed um, in my 130s and I'm 6'2". Um, and wow. Yeah, I know, right? Most people don't realize I'm wearing those big baggy overalls, um, how skinny I actually was. <laughs> uh, it hurt me at the time, um, but like one day subbing to like really young kids, some kid called me Skeletor and I like broke my heart um, and made me like angry. Oh, <laughs> Um, but, but <laughs> I, I it, but, but it kicked me into like really just nothing like a playground insult to, uh, ultimately change your behavior. Right, right, right. I'm like, Oh, I gotta do something. I can't, cause I grew up being an athletic yeah. guy. I mean, my seventh grade roommate was in the yep. Olympics, the last winter Olympics. And so it's like, wow. Matt, you gotta wow. do better. And so I, I just, I just started trying more things and. And every time I tried meat, it was, it was, you know, like a 70, 30 chance I would be in pain. And then mm. someone gave me forest raised pork. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I thought there was pasture raised. They're like, no, 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 dude. You want this. And I was like, okay. Mm. And it was like acorn, like silva pasture. Oh, yeah. And it was basically like a wild pig, but in the best scenario possible. And I ate yep. it where most of it didn't make it to my stomach to even bother my digestion because my mouth absorbed it. It was like, and it was gone. And I gained 20 pounds in three months and it was all muscle and bone. Wow. And I could feel it. I was like running around the house. I started doing pull-ups, which is really weird, you know, cause I always hated those. <laughs> um, and I got this like burst of energy and clarity and I launched two new online courses within months. I then a few months later launched the Advanced Permaculture Student. So in one year, I basically wrote I think four books and uh, and filmed and created three online courses. I had a Kickstarter that went over forty grand. Like it was crazy, and it's because yep. I got in touch with the actual modalities of my body's like healing pathways. And so I grew up eating meat constantly. I grew up also eating crap constantly. And so my body totally was geared towards digesting that and, and using it. But I had gotten so inflamed by using all the junk um, for so many years that I couldn't absorb it any longer. And when I moved to that's a beautiful story, man. That's really freaking rad because a lot of people think about eating healthy. Oh, should I do it? Should I not? Oh, I just want to do the fast food or whatever. And uh, there's an X factor in there, man. Like, yeah, you're gonna feel better. You're gonna look better. Like the environment has an impact. But dude, look at like the list of things that you even accomplished during that time too. You know, like that that would not have happened. There's a huge X factor in mental clarity and performance and energy that people don't even bring into the into the fold you know and they, they need to absolutely and when i went up to washington and i got put on a a waiting list a two-year waiting list for regenerative meet up there i was like this is ridiculous and yeah totally and i'm like trying to compete obviously i'm outside seattle i'm trying to compete with some of the richest people in the world you know basically yeah, totally. you know, me and and so it was very very tough and then when i found when i found primal pastures it was like oh it was just such a game changer so we're it's, it feels like we're like we're like back in the fold we like found the oasis again 
<laughs> so that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love it. And and all the doctors, you know, in the same time period of us on this discovery journey have kind of flowed with us. So, you know, you 10 years ago, yeah. like, you know, you gotta, you start juicing and you gotta do this and sugar, sugar, sugar. Yeah. Um, and now they're all like keto, paleo, slow down on that sugar intake boy. And, you know, and so as I've been doing that, as I've been listening to the doctors, um, we've been able to do some incredible things um, for my health. Um, I have Crohn's. Um, it's genetically inherited. Yep. It, you know, it's killed my relatives. My wife has had cancer, you know, six or seven times, depending on how you, how you count. And wow. Yeah, yeah. So having the ability to have the kind of food that actually can give her the minerals, give her the nutrients, give her the correct yep. fats. Because we look at the ocean and we're like, oh, I don't know if it's safe, you know. And, and so it's like, where do you I get know. fat now? I, I, I it's just, so tricky, man. I mean, it's uh, the fat and I wish more people, I hope people are listening to what you're saying because I wish more people understood how important uh, animal fats are for our diet. You know, even if you were to be completely vegan and vegetarian, um, that's the one thing I'd recommend looking at trying to add back if you can is uh, even just cooking in animal fats. You know, we, we cook almost everything in pastured pork, lard and chicken fat and mixed fats from other things. Um, it's so critical, the EHAs and DHAs and omega-3s and all that cool, fancy stuff. So important, you know, and I'm a big believer, man, that like anything can be done really, really well. I've, I've seen, um, super awesome, regenerative vegan diets and people feeling amazing on that. And I've seen every, all the way to the spectrum of, you know, super regenerative carnivore pure, like no vegetables or plants at all, just pure meat only. Um, and I think it can all be done really well, but the key is always, man, go back a thousand years. It's listening to your own body in that your own season and being totally open to making changes. Um, I think that's really what it boils down to. There's no one size fits all prescription for anybody. Wow. That was, that was so perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so true. That's exactly how I feel because so many of my students are from all over the different world, from so many different cultures. Um, and there's no one size fits all, especially if your parents, you know, were Inuit and were eating blubber. It's like, you might need totally. that. Or you might be very, you might be in serious trouble if you don't have that. And what I've learned- Or there's our- cultures, there's cultures in India that, uh, that have been vegetarian for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know? in a very successful, beautiful way. And there's, there's a, you know, there's a, a part of that to me that just goes, man, like the idea, we would just see it all the time of like, oh, I don't like factory farm meat, so I'm going to be vegetarian. It's so westernized to think that way and to think that, oh, well, because one thing is bad, that must mean the other thing is good and everything's isolated. And, you know, life is just way more complex and dynamic than that. I'm sitting here looking at a pasture right now, a 10 acre field. And I just see so many different animals and there's bugs and worms and wildlife and birds. And like, there's so much, you know, so much complexity and richness to it. We have to stop trying to compartmentalize things into these, you know, diets and sort of like get back to the, to, to reality, which is nature, which is super complex and dynamic. 
Yeah, you know that whole concept of being a uh, like a fat burner versus a sugar burner, and like if we have too much sugar, we're burning sugar constantly. We're getting things like arthritis and other aches and pains and inflammation. It has changed everything the way I eat, and it, I mean our brains are made mm -hmm. of fat, and so for me doing yep. all this brain work constantly because it's I mean handling all my businesses and and my homeschooling and my family and it's brain numbing. And it's like, if I just you use around, your brain a lot. Yeah. 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 And so I basically, you know, 10 years ago, I would be snacking constantly. And so I would, yep. eat, I would be a sugar burner, you know, by definition. And I think most of us are, are like this where we like, I need a snack. I need a drink. I need something with sugar in it to keep me going or, yep. caffeine or something like that. And usually they, they've got something sweet in there too. But but when I started become and I and you can feel the difference when you're when you're burning fat, um, you crave it for sure. It's this crazy thing. Your body like recognizes it, and they're like, "That is my fuel." I had never eaten the yep. fat off of meat until I started eating primal pastures, and it it, it I didn't even think about it. I started eating. It. I was like, "Wait a second, I've never done this before." <laughs> it's probably the best part for you, man. I mean, it, like I'm saying, it's a when it comes to eating really clean, really high quality meats, you know, there's two areas that I say like, okay, great. The steaks, the chicken breast, it's all cool. Great. But like, let's get down to it. It's the fat and it's the organ meats, you know, the organ meats are the spot that's so packed with whatever good or bad that that animal consumed throughout its life. So if you're going to eat something like chicken liver, my thing is like, dude, please get it from a good source. You know, there's other things, I get it. Everybody's just trying to do their best. Sometimes you can't afford things or it's not convenient. You can't get it. Um, that's fine. But when it comes to those two things, like fats and organ meats, to me, it's a must, man. You got to get them from a good source. You got to know where it's coming from. It's got to be, you know, biologically appropriate diet, good lifestyle for the animals, slaughtered in a humane way. Like all that's got to be intact if you're going to do those two things, which are both super important for your diet. Can't agree more with that. Absolutely. So I have some questions. Uh, speaking of which, you know, maybe some people can't uh, can't uh, uh, start off right now paying for you know the full box. Maybe they're going to start here and there, and then they're going to supplement with something totally. at home. Um, but what can they do at home to learn from your method? What can they apply to their backyard flock? Um, I think the big one is just getting out there and doing it, man. You got to get in the ring, you know, like as as a fighter. Um, you can't watch YouTube videos and expect to learn how to box. Uh, you got to go get in fights, you know, like, <laughs> and it's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes you get your butt kicked too. Um, but a huge one is just get out there, plant seeds, put chickens in the backyard and just start doing it, man. And, and, uh, I think there's so many amazing resources out there, books and YouTube and, and magazines and articles, but I think you'd agree, man, like nothing replaces just doing it and having animals and plants going and trying to get after it. Dude, I still learn three, five new things every single day about different plants that we're growing and different, you know, like the different species that we're doing. Really, uh, you have to just embrace the fact that you don't know and you're not really going to know. And your best way to learn is definitely just doing it. And honestly, an educator like you it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so much more relevant when you have your own animals on the ground and you're listening to your teaching and how you're explaining stuff and then go back and do it on your real life flock in the backyard. 
um, as opposed to like just dreaming or, or an Excel spreadsheet or a business model in a word document, like, nah, man, you got to get out there and actually get in the ring. And then I, I want to say one other thing too, because, uh, I see this a lot, you know, Oh, I just want to have like a homestead and I just want to grow food for myself. And, and I think that that's beautiful and it's awesome. My problem with it is sometimes I think it's built on fear that they don't think they could take it to the next step and make a business. And I just want to challenge anybody out there that's listening that that's you, where deep down you would love to have this be a business and provide income for you and your family and have it be regenerative in that way where, you know, you can eat for free off of your homestead because you're selling the excess. And uh, there's a lot of beautiful people out there that I love and respect that are just honestly, I think fearful of putting themselves out there and trying to sell their products or to try to make a profit or they're feeling bad about making a profit selling food. Uh, I just really challenge those people to sort of take a step back and self-assess and say, are you doing this? Because it's really what you want. Um, or are you doing it because you're scared to put yourself out there and to try to sell your products? And um, I would really say, man, like the reason we've been able to have the impact that we've had is because we're out there selling and we're marketing and we're trying to be economically regenerative, you know? And uh, because of that, we've been, we've been able to touch a lot more lives than had we just been at homestead, just growing food for ourselves. And I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. There's totally nothing wrong with growing food for just your own family. That's rad. But I do think that there's people out there that would like to have this be a business or a side hustle or a little, a, a little gig. Um, that are scared to put themselves out there. And I just, I would just challenge that. And I think it'll make everything better because it's that matching the growth mindset with the growth lifestyle that really kicks in. Totally. So I'm so curious what, uh, cause you, all right. So I don't know if you know, Tom Bill, you, he got me interested in, in, uh, in the, the delivery meets with the butcher box. And I checked that out but it's nowhere near as good as primal pastures. And so in my mind, I'm like, Oh my word, this billionaire, Tom Bilyeu, this billionaire is talking about how much he loves butcher box, how he has to get it. Cause he can't get anything local. And I'm like, so in other words, primal pastures is better than a billionaire's food. <laughs> and it's, and it's true. That's awesome. Cause you can't find better food. And so when you get to that point, when you're able to, no, we've really built it on like, yeah, we've tried to make it legitimately the gold standard, like the best meat that you can possibly produce, you know. Um, we've got another company, Pasturebird, that's really trying to go after more of the wholesale and kind of the um, value, if you will, like chefs and restaurants and like butcher shops that maybe they can't pay for certified organic pasture raised, slow growth, like the ultimate hardcore, which is Primal Pastures. And that's why we launched the second company, not as like, oh, we're going to lower our standards, but just like not everybody can buy a $30 chicken, you know, and yeah. we want the pastured model, that movement based, like regenerative model to go beyond just a few people um, that can afford it. Although I will say, man, like <clears throat> when we got into this, my biggest fear was we'd be producing food for rich people. And because we were driving our own home deliveries for a couple of years there. I got to go up to these people's houses and spend time with them. And I will say I was shocked. It's really not the rich people that are, that are prioritizing their dollars this way. It was 
I would say the middle income, honestly, like lower to middle income that were just living in a smaller house, driving a cheaper car. They didn't have the huge flat screen TV and the newest iPhone, but they were like, no, I'm going to prioritize my food. And, uh, and those people that were on a budget, maybe they weren't buying the filet mignon every week. Maybe they were getting, you know, ground beef and maybe they were getting whole chickens that they're going to break down themselves. But like, they were doing it, you know, and that, that really is still our main customer right now. I'd say that's 75% of our business is like lower to middle income. That's just going to make food a priority and maybe they're going to eat a little bit less meat, but when they do eat it, it's going to be better quality. Um, I really think that that's kind of our bread and butter right now. And I love that. I'm so, I'm so proud of that. You should be. I mean, it is, it is the best meat I have ever encountered. And I grew up in an affluent area of Connecticut. So, and then I got to travel all over America with Rachel Ray and John Cusimano, you know, her, her husband, was mm. my, band, my, my band leader. And he'd go to the hotel concierge and be like, okay, where's the best restaurant in town? Everywhere we went. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think I've got some, you know, some place to say, you know, that I've tried meat. <laughs> I've tried food. Totally. Um, and, and it is so incredible. So, um, and it's not a CSA. So anyone listening can try anything that you offer and just hop in there and just start today. Um, and what's so incredible about those, for, for those of us who are listening that are either on the small scale, home scale, or even small business side, you provide a path for growth with the pasture birds. Or the pasture bird and the primal pastures, so that they can see good, better, best, <laughs> and they can really start on that path. Totally. Best in a way that will scale, so that they're the primal pastures of upstate New York or North Carolina. Totally, but, man. But yeah. it's that it's that that path. It's so incredible. You guys really have provided a bar that is a new measurement that all of us can strive for, both in our diet and lifestyle. And with, with our local bioregional um, um, food. We stand on the shoulders of people that came before us too, you know, to just pass that along. Like uh, it's, um, it's not like something that we came up with by any means, you know, we were always super inspired by Joel Salatin. He was kind of the original guy that got us geeking out and fired up on all this stuff and understanding the sort of bottom line for us too. We, we think of ourselves like, trying to be stewards of the land stewards of creation and like trying to build a good environment for these animals and for people and for the land. So we're super inspired by like biblical teachings on land and animal stewardship. That's really, really empowering to us. Dudes like Alan Savory that are out there putting out this regenerative model at large scale. Like we definitely didn't come up with this stuff, you know? So we're just, we're just leveraging what people have done before us. And we, the honestly the biggest honor that i've had second is uh the second biggest honor is feeding people like great food when they're going through hard times like your wife you know and people that are going through leukemia and like really just brutal terrible uh stuff and we get to be there like kind of walking side by side with them with stuff like that but honestly the biggest honor that we have is when people go man i came out to one of your farm tours and uh, I started my own farm, you know, and like I've got chickens and I grabbed a couple sheep and I'm doing the pig thing. And like you guys inspired me to do this. And uh, that I just feel like it's it's so cool, man, because I put myself in somebody like Joel Sal- Salatin's shoes and it's like he inspired us 
which has now turned around and inspired them. So like he doesn't even know, you know, he doesn't even know that he's inspired another farm to sprout up. And uh, that's just such a rad to spread like fire like that is such a rad regenerative thing just right there, you know? Absolutely. And it is, it is such an honor to be able to talk to you and to uh, have your example out in the world. It is, it is exciting because you demonstrate what's really possible um, for, for our culture. I mean, food is, is the basis for our culture, which forms our bodies, what forms our babies. You know what I mean? It's, it's so Absolutely, critically man. important. And like you said, um, it, it, it ties into our oldest documents, our most sacred documents. Um, the Marvelous yep. Pigness of Pigs. Uh, I don't know if you read that by Saladin, but it's a, sure. a, stunning, a stunning review of, of the regenerative biblical yeah, it references. Is. It is. And, whew, getting chills right now. Yeah, it really deserves to be wrote. It, it deserves to be read two or three times, you know, like you won't even catch it all the first time around. I really think out of all Joel's work, that's one of his masterpiece works, you know. And the other thing I would say is, um, we're all in this together too, you know, like the farmers, the educators like yourselves, the consumers, which really, this is all cool and it's all great, but if nobody buys it, like it goes away, you know. Absolutely. So uh, the consumers have played a huge role. And I guess the government would be another one, you know, like uh, if we want this to really grow, I think that's one pillar that um, they can either play a positive or a negative role in allowing us to do what we want and setting standards around what we do and kind of enforcing that stuff. It's not the one that I think is the most important, but it is, it is a role. I mean, it's, it's another player that needs to come to the table. I can't agree more. That's amazing. I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. And I'm so excited that regenerative organic standards are finally making their way out into the world so that people can really begin that conversation. I, I have high hopes for it, man. We've been longtime friends with uh, the Dr. Bronner's folks. And uh, I really hope that this is the first label that I, that I can point to and say, like, look what these guys are doing. It's actually honestly good. Um, I really, really hope that that's the case. You know, so far, I haven't seen a label yet that I can really point to and say it's good and it's doing a good job. I really hope this is the first one. I love it. I love it. That's full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for sparing this time with us to share this this inspiring and hopeful story i just feel like <laughs> i need to go out and uh and just spread the word um this is this is really exciting and this is needed everywhere and like you said people need to support this people need to hop on primalpastures.com and support what you're doing because they need it <laughs> we need it we all need it um so thank you so yeah and maybe even more dude maybe even more than like buying a box like that's great you know it's a super important way that you can support our work um but even if this is, just inspires you to go ask better questions of the farmer's market and to get your to get to know your local farmer like that's a victory dude like i don't need you to order our meats if it if that's what's convenient and what the kind of the standard and you can do it then awesome you know but uh, I hope that this is bigger than just one company or one brand. And then another thing I'd definitely like to offer is we do the monthly farm tours, you know, and as far as like getting inspired and really seeing this and understanding it in real life, I would really encourage anybody that's interested to try to make their way 
out to the Temecula Valley. It's about halfway between Los Angeles and uh, San Diego. And I know it's a little bit of a trek for a lot of people, but um, take a Saturday and just make that investment, man. Like come out, do a farm tour, not just to buy our food again, but to really understand what regenerative ag looks like and to try to understand the framework so you can go find a producer that resonates with you. Um, but we go all the way, man, two hours. We go through every type of livestock. We go through land care and soil maintenance and kind of the story of how we got into this and how to order and just everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty deep dive. And I think that's one of the kind of life-changing experiences when you actually get to come out and walk a farm and see the animals for yourself. Like, man, that this cuts out so many middlemen and like so much of what's gone wrong in the last 50 years in our food system can be solved by actually going to the farm and shaking people's hand and like learning for yourself. And it's actually pretty fun too. Oh yeah. I feel like, well, you're getting in touch with the person who is handling um, your future body. <laughs> and your land that's producing it, you know, like uh, how can you care for the land if you haven't even ever really been to it? Like uh, it'll give you such a deeper respect for creation and for the soil that you're supporting when you do this stuff. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really impactful. I think. Absolutely. That soil, that, that field, those, that grass, you're literally looking at your body, your future, like, like that's your, future. exactly. Exactly. Crap, you're going to have a, that's crap your gut crop. right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yep. man. And, and when we think about our families, we think about our children, we think about the food that they eat. We want the best. Joe Salton says like, isn't it crazy how much time we invest Googling and yelping and re reviewing and researching the mechanic that's going to, you know, change our brakes. But we're not even willing to put in the five or 10 minutes to go research who's going to grow our food and how much more infinitely important is the food that we put into our bodies and, you know, the brakes that are going to stop our car. So it's like, uh, it, it is a beautiful picture, man. And it's worth diving in and doing some research. And like I said, man, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a half of a day that you invested walking around a beautiful field, looking at happy animals that are out living, you know, this, this amazing way. So it's not like nobody's left the farm tour going, man, I wish that I would have done, you know, I wish I would have watched TV this morning instead of coming out to the farm. Like it's actually a really fun time. I want to come. I would love to come. So you got to, you got to for sure. Let's set it up. Absolutely. I have one last question. So what did you eat today? Okay, cool. <laughs> That's a cool question. So uh, I, I'm big on trying to listen to my body. And uh, over the last, I guess, about four weeks, I've been doing an intermittent fast. So from about 8 p.m. till about 8 p.m. in the evening till about 2 p.m. the next day, I've been doing no food. So I've just, I've just drank one cup of black uh, iced coffee and that's it until 2 p.m. And then at that point, I don't know what I'm going to eat. I, it's very tempting for me to break that fast right now because I'm staring at uh, my mulberry trees and I've got my peaches starting to come into fruit and I've got apricots and I've got oranges all here on the farm fresh. So <laughs> it's going to be hard to not eat until two, but that's probably what I'll break my fast with. That's epic. So what do you usually eat for dinner? Um, I, I, we try to cook at home as much as possible. Last night we had uh, ham. So we were doing this beautiful um, ham right now. And then I did, uh, let's see, chicken wings. We did beets and carrots. And uh, uh, there was another vegetable in there. We had a huge salad. 
with our raw honey on it and uh, some really great olive oil. And all the vegetables we get from a amazing local CSA that we kind of partner up with and we trade meat for out here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, just whole foods, man, real food stuff that's we know the origin of and, and uh, really simple ingredients. And I, I love to cook now, man. That's one thing that really flipped in me. I hated cooking. I didn't really like all the time that it took. And I was really into like buying pre-made meals and stuff, which is, that's fine too. But um, now I just, I have this passion for sitting there in the kitchen and spending an hour or two getting dinner ready and prepping and like having my kids be a part of that process. It's a, uh, such a rad time for me to be able to have that full circle experience you know that is so beautiful you know what's strange is that i started uh, like about a month ago when i first I, when i started um eating primal pasture meat i started fasting until like one o'clock two o'clock in the day as well and i would do all my work and then i would come home and make uh food for the family that's interesting, man. There's something to that too, because there's a nutrient density part to our food that we haven't thought about in a long time. Some of you have, I get that, but a lot of people haven't thought about this. And I was in that camp where you go and, okay, chicken thighs, you know, four ninety nine per pound. And you kind of just think of dollars per pound of food. And you kind of forget that like, more importantly than that, let's look at dollars per nutrient density, if that's even a, a thing. Um, I I can eat like a whole chicken. If I go to Costco and just eat a rotisserie chicken, I can literally take down that whole thing. Mm. But with our birds and other people that are doing things the right way, like, man, I can split a pound of ground beef between my entire family. That's two adults and three kids. I can get completely full off of like a chicken thigh and a drumstick. And that's more than enough for me. You know, I'm fully hit satiety and I don't even need to eat breakfast the next day. There's definitely a piece to this where you look at it and you go, man, like $30 for a whole chicken, but you kind of have to take a step back and go like the amount of nutrient density inside of that product means that you're going to need to eat less to get the same fullness. Um, and there's, there's definitely something to that. I haven't really been able to quantify it yet or study it, but there's something there. I agree. And it, it, that only came from just, just, it just, it just happened. I, I, I eat pretty, pretty regularly because of my Crohn's. I'm always kind of like, oh, it hurts, yep. I need to eat. Um, and because I have a malabsorption uh, issue. But when I'm right. regularly eating eating primal pastured meats, I just have this stamina and I just don't get hungry as much. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I think that's absolutely true of real food. You know, if you can find hunted proteins, real wild fish, like, truly grass-fed, grass-finished beef, pasture-raised chicken, like, it's going to be more nutrient-dense. Like, it's not rocket science. The animals are out <laughs> living. They grow much slower. Like, they're eating a varied diet of grasses and bugs and worms and flowers and weeds. Like, you know, it's not, it's not surprising that those things would be more nutrient-rich. So, it's a, a lot of times it's like, man, let's take our fancy American science hats off and just go back to common sense too, you know? Absolutely. Wow. Well, I am pumped. I'm so excited to get the box later today. And this was just such a treat. I love it. So much. What do you got coming in your box? Do you know? 
Um, it's the uh, it's the bone stash, and then it is the the family nice. stash. It was absolutely stunning. I mean, like there's only been I think uh, no, there's only been one other instance in my life when I've been able to cut steak with a fork, and that was when it was uh, done in a sous vide. You know what I mean? Like so that yeah. it literally was designed yeah. that way. You could put any meat in there, and it would come out like that almost. But I cooked this in a pan. <laughs> So it, it's 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 ridiculously amazing. So I'm I'm just so stoked for whatever is going to come because I feel like I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> well, and that's cool too, man. Because it's like we had this beautiful rain year this year, so we've had so much forage for the cattle, you know. And it's been this beautiful, marbled, rich, like beautiful steaks coming out right now. That's honestly not necessarily going to be the case come late fall, summer. Once we start to dry out, you're going to see little changes in the meats and like, dude, it's okay. You know, like it's going to be a little gamier when we don't have the grass. It's going to be a little bit more marbled and rich and fatty when we do. And like, that's nature, you know, like I like to say, if you enjoy the meats, dude, it's not because we're doing an amazing job. It's because that's what nature's putting out that time of year. And so our job is to farm the grass and keep amazing habitat for the animals and move them to fresh pasture. What comes after that is honestly like you're tasting nature, bro. Like, um, if you liked it, good on you, nature. If you didn't like it, I'm sorry. Like, you take take it up with Mother Nature, you know. All right. Well, let's let's all go out there and take it up with Nate, Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks for your time. It's it's fun chatting, man. Enjoy the boxes today. Thank you so 